Welcome to PE Talks Africa, the African Private Equity and Venture Capital Association's podcast. In this series, industry leaders will share their views on the investment landscape in Africa and will discuss latest trends covering fundraising, deal-making, value creation and exits across private equity, credit and venture capital. In this episode, we hear from Daniel Adioji, Resource Lead at PEFCA, Françoise de Donde, Managing Director at AMIC, Esther Endetti, Executive Director at IAFCA, Basel Roshi, Secretary General at EPIA, and Tania Vallil, Chief Executive Officer at SAFCA, as they examine emerging regional trends and the impact of government initiatives to mitigate the risks of the COVID-19 pandemic on Africa's private investment activity. The session, moderated by Mark Griffiths, director at Norton Rose Fulbright, is part of AFCA's 2020 Focus Series, launched in June 2020. Turn to the, the panel discussion, uh, where each of the panelists representing different jurisdictions, regions of, of, of Africa, will focus specifically on, 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 on their jurisdiction region. Firstly, I'm, uh, I'm going to ask Françoise de Donde, from the, who's the Managing Director of the Association Marocaine d'Investiteurs en Capital, which is obviously from, from Morocco, to, to speak um, on, on, on her perspective. O over to you, um, Françoise. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon, and thank you for inviting me. Um, so, um, I'm going to speak about Morocco, since um, I'm uh, managing the Private Equity and Venture Capital Association of Morocco. Morocco is not a commodity country, um, so except for the phosphate. So it has been less heated uh, on commodities than other African countries. Um, but um, Morocco has been impacted by uh, the situation in Europe. Um, since there is less European investment um, since the beginning of the crisis. For the sectors, um, we can say that agriculture and food industry um, have not really been hit by the crisis, uh, but uh, construction uh, industries in general, tourism, hospitality, catering, transports have been in a really, really impacted by the crisis. So um, the sector we see where investment, um, where we're going to have uh, opportunities in the next month, months, um, it's healthcare, uh, renewable energy, education and especially e-learning and tech sector. Um, we, we have seen during the crisis, the crisis has been a, a catalyst for digitalization. Um, Morocco really went from 1.0 to 5.0 um, in a few weeks. So uh, we expect lots of, um, of opportunities in, in that field. Um, there is also something Morocco wants to take advantage of the, the fact that um, European countries uh, really want to reduce their dependence on Asian countries and um, want to develop um, and set up a closer 
geographically subcontracting policy and relocate their activities. So, and I think and we think that Morocco is really well positioned um, for for these relocations uh, because of the political stability. Um, Morocco is one one of um, has one of the the best investment grade um, in Africa. Um, the competitive cost rise, um, also the agility to to redirect rapidly some activities, and we have seen this during the crisis with mask productions, for example. Well, uh, many many um, textile industries just uh, redirected their production to the production of masks, and we have had the same with uh, respirators as well. Um, also, Morocco has know-how, and its geographic position is very good since there is only 13 kilometers between um, the north of Morocco and the south of Spain. And we also have an efficient banking and financial system. So this is really a card that Morocco wants to play in this location. Um, since the beginning of the crisis, um, we we have seen that the Moroccan government has had a um, very quick and efficient response. Um, the government has played a central role um, in managing the crisis and has been able to restore some confidence in the institutions. Um, several measures have been taken um, for to help companies to mitigate the impact of um, the health crisis. Uh, first, um, first of all, we, the, the government um, created a special fund um, to manage the crisis, and these funds amount today to three billions of euros. So every companies and, and organization associations have been uh, asked to make um, for that fund. Also, um, the government has uh, taken some measure to relieve SMEs um, from operating costs um, by extending um, deadlines for taxes and um, for social uh, social expenses. They also have um, set up different kind of uh, credits, which are uh, guaranteed by the state up to 95%. Um, and they have given some tax ex ex exemption for uh, distressed companies. On the social side... Um, so, the, if you could just maybe just uh, wrap up there, if you, maybe in 30 seconds, just to conclude, just because of time. Okay. Just on the social side, um, they, they have, um, the social support from government has been really important. Um, the social security has uh, take over um, 
to pay part of salaries and um, two-thirds of uh, the citizens which which didn't have any social safety net have uh, been have um, have received compensation. Um, so, for the future, in fact, um, the government has has set up new um, additional credits for the companies, new warranties um, also for the public sectors, and uh, tools, uh, equity and near equity tools um, for the companies. Um, and in these tools, we have a fund of funds in equity and quasi-equity. We have some incentive um, for institutional investors to invest in the private equity funds. Um, and we have also incentive for invested uh, companies. So I'm going to stop here. Thanks, so thanks. You long. Thanks, Francois. Sorry for interrupting. Um, we'll, we'll now quickly move on to, uh, to Dr. Basil Rosti, who's the Secretary General of the Egyptian Private Equity Association. Um, he's obviously going to speak um, specifically to the Egyptian experience in terms of opportunities and from the governmental response. My name is Basil Rosti. I am uh, the General Secretary of the Egyptian Private Equity Association, which is uh, like my peer association in Morocco. And also, I am the CEO of an investment fund uh, and the investment group called Nile Capital in Egypt. Um, actually, uh, I would like to uh, to talk briefly about the um, the measures that have happened here in Egypt after the COVID-19. Many of them are similar to what my colleague from Morocco has just mentioned. Uh, I would say there was a very strong and rational government intervention and incentive packages provided. Uh, the government has obtained a fast or quick rescue loan of $2 billion from the IMF. They have allocated internally in the country an incentive package initially of 100 billion Egyptian pounds, which is equivalent to $7 billion to mitigate and to encounter and fight the, uh, uh, the uh, COVID-19 problems. Uh, they had government have... Uh, offered in the market or issued 5 billion US dollars in terms of bonds, and they have been oversubscribed by nine times. And also they have provided, they are now in discussion negotiation to obtain another package of debt financing of up to $9 billion, including $5.7 billion from the IMF and World Bank in order to improve the business environment and to make or to complete its restructuring plans. So it's like a mix to um, between both, it's a restructuring and also to accommodate the risks or the bad results or the unusual results of the COVID-19. The central bank and the commercial banks have been very active and very dynamic. The central bank has right away, after the COVID started, they've reduced the interest rates by 3% in one shot. Also, they have provided guaranteed loans and asking or requested the banks to provide rescue loans for the private sector of up to 100 billion Egyptian pounds. You divide by 15 or 16 to get the equivalent in US dollars. And some of them are guaranteed by the central bank themselves and others are guaranteed by either public sector enterprises or related parties. And also they are provided at very interesting interest rates of 8%. 
in addition to same thing like happened for the um, SMEs providing uh, tax incentive, providing incentives for very low interest rate loans, great periods, uh, extension of delays for whatever previous loans or commitments that have been obtained. On the other side, from a legislative, from a legis legislative or regulatory point, the government and also the parliament have used this period, which is like a stagnation period, in order to discuss, improve, and pass a number of very important regulations that will impact tremendously the investment environment and also the, including mainly the private equity, venture capitals as well. So they have discussed and passed a new regulation, a new law for the central bank, a new law and a new regulation for the public sector enterprises and privatization program, another one for the um, uh, relaxation and improvement of the taxation. Uh, at the SMEs, there was a new law for the SMEs, a very inclusive one. Also, uh, um, the sovereign fund of Egypt, which was established a year ago, but they have improved the uh, regulations and the terms for this fund. As for the sectors that we see have been affected, either positively or negatively, by the COVID-19, we see that the following sectors of food and agri, education, technology, digitization, and medical healthcare sector, they have been stabilizing, and on the contrary, they are even improving in terms of performance, because a lot of deals, a lot of transactions, a lot of revenues, people here, we have a consumption, consuming population, so they eat, drink, get educated, get medicine all the time, so actually because of the COVID-19, they're staying home, less money is directed to other sectors, so they are spending more and more on these sectors. So, and we see that the following, these sectors as defensive ones, the FMB, education, and health, they will continue to be booming ones and growing ones in the coming years. This is in addition that it was an opportunity for the government to digitize and to introduce a lot of mobile and digital services into the government services and government activities, as well as they are planning for future ones as well, in addition to the ongoing and increasing fintech mobile banking, mobile payments, electronic payments, and electronic transactions taking place more and more in the country. As for the construction sector, it has been working and moving more, or let's say in a more prosperous way than expected, because it is supported to the major extent by the government. So most of the big projects, construction projects like the new Alamein city on the Mediterranean, the new industrial cities, the new capital city in Cairo and others. So they have been, the government is using this amount or this timing to improve more and more and to accelerate their deployment and the construction of these projects. We see that the coming period, Yes, sorry, Basil. If you could just maybe wrap up, it's all very interesting. I, I appreciate it. Just some time, but maybe if you could just wrap up in maybe 30 seconds. Yes, actually, I will say I will give that few bullet points. More action, more activities will be happening soon related to public-private partnerships because now we both need each other. The government needs the private sector, and we need the government. So there will be lots of opportunities for private equities and venture capitals to work out a number of deals with the government. Also, there are now partnerships and alliances happening and taking place between private investors, either fund or institutional investors, and the sovereign fund of Egypt in order to boom and protect and expand a number of investments into Africa. 
or not, we see a lot of mergers, acquisitions, and consolidations happening. And my last point, there will be more focus in the coming few years on what we call green projects, including waste, waste recycling, waste to energy, and renewable energy. Thank you. Thanks, uh, thanks, Basil, for covering so much in, in your time there. Um, that's much um, ado. Let's go straight to to Nigeria and uh, Daniel Adeoyo from uh, the Private Equity and Venture Capital Association from Nigeria. Over to you, Daniel. All right. Uh, thank you, Mark. Uh, just to quickly highlight um, how the crisis has, has affected Nigeria and the, the efforts of our government. I mean, similar to my colleagues in Morocco and Egypt, um, the government has tried to do its best. Uh, but in Nigeria, we're really to be handicapped because the, the government didn't have enough fiscal resources. Um, I mean, so if you compare us to South Africa, um, who, who has spent a plan to spend about 10 billion US dollars in stimulus, uh, Nigeria is only spending just under 200 million dollars. Uh, effectively, uh, as a percentage of our GDP, it's probably it's less than 1% compared to other markets where, like Sweden, for instance, where the stimulus is as high as 30% of GDP. Uh, um, but what we have seen, uh, which is a plus, is the intense level of collaboration between the private sector and the public sector uh, in terms of raising funds um, that are required for, you know, building isolation centers, media campaigns uh, about the pandemic and also procurement of face masks and uh, PPEs. Uh, what is also interesting to see is uh, there's, there's a large cohort of the government who are saying, look, let's use this opportunity to push through uh, the necessary reforms um, that will put the country in the right macroeconomic standing. Uh, and this, this cohort are, are pushing for reforms in the, the petroleum industry, so now they're, you know, they're saying things like, look, let's try and put a cap on the amount of gas that is flared. Um, let's remove subsidy in the downstream industry. And let's finally try and pass the petroleum industry bill. In, in terms of uh, financial reforms, um, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of reforms ongoing around taxes, where they are saying now, look, we need to start taxing folks for digital services. Uh, the, just before the crisis started, uh, the NDFs were extended to a five-year period, which is major for most PE guys, right? If, if I can determine my dollar rate of exit, it helps me plan better in terms of my investments. Uh, so that, that's been good for the, the GPs in Nigeria. Uh, and also the, the CBN, um, while they were applying for the ISC loan, uh, came out to say, look, we're going to try and unify our exchange rates. Uh, that hasn't happened yet, but the expectation is that that will happen as well. And also pushing for uh, civil service reforms. Uh, we spend too much money on recurrent expenditure, uh, and now the president has given the go-ahead to try and see how they can remove agencies that are no longer required or um, that are, you know, duplicating efforts. Uh, if, and if all these reforms are, are passed through, um, um, it will be great for the country. Uh, yes, we don't have enough money to spend on stimulus, uh, but if all these reforms are passed through, the macro story of the country will be fundamentally different. Uh, look, in terms of opportunities, I think that's, this is where the bright spot is for, for Nigeria. 
Um, I mean, you know, look, so some events uh, like all shocks or financial crises have very clear, well-defined implications. Um, and you know exactly what you need to do to fix them. Um, other events, uh, you know, they make you change your thinking about everything. And, and in Nigeria, we think COVID is, is a rule-changing event. Uh, and for us, the opportunity lie in three buckets. Uh, one is around preservation. The second is around consolidation. And the last bucket for us is around innovation. With, with regards to uh, preservation, it's, it's basically just look, if you're a business, if you're a GP that invested in partner companies, just try and survive the crisis, right? Um, because a lot of companies will fall by the wayside and the companies that survive would flourish. Uh, so so, so the, the first thing is just try and survive. If you can do that, you'll be fine. Um, and the, the second one, which is around consolidation, is the fact that look, there are a number of accelerating investment themes now um, because there'll be shifts to how people consume, how they work, and how they choose to leave, right? Uh, and what we usually typically see in, in recessions, I mean, which we all know, is people tend to save more, pay down debt, and spend a lot more money on health, safety, and connectivity. Um, so we think those three buckets, uh, companies who are focused on healthcare will do pretty well. Um, so like the pharmaceutical companies, for instance, they will, they will see their, their, their demand growing, not because hospitals will be taking more sick people, but because people will be self-medicating and want to stock up their, their, their first aid boxes. In, in terms of safety, um, people will spend more on things like cybersecurity. In terms of connectivity, you have people demand for data has increased significantly, um, and we expect that to continue over time. In terms of innovation, which is the last bucket really, uh, we just expect, look, in terms of the digital economy in Nigeria, there will be an extreme acceleration um, because now everyone is scared to go to the bank or even go to an ATM machine. We're gonna see a lot of opportunities in the digital payment space uh, and that is already happening. Um, and the CBN is also pushing this, uh, our central bank, because the, the goal for the CBN is financial inclusion and cashless payments. Uh, and that is gonna accelerate very quickly. Um, opportunities will pop up around home education, home entertainment, um, home fitness, and also a lot is gonna go on around digital marketing and cloud services. Um, so we're, we're pretty bullish in Nigeria, like there'll be a lot of opportunities. And even going forward down, right? If you, if you notice in the debt markets in Nigeria for the corporates, um, more money has been raised this year than was raised for the last five years in the debt market. Um, just a few days ago it was confirmed that MTN Nigeria raised over $250 million. Uh, so operators in that space, in the debt market, uh, will, will do very well. And they will... uh, in, in terms of the agricultural space, um, look, because of the FX crisis... Sorry, Daniel, just uh, if maybe you could just wrap up in, in 30 seconds just for time. Sorry to interrupt. Got you, got you, no problem. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty much done. In, in terms of the agricultural space, because of the FX crisis, and the fact that the borders have been closed, uh, we're gonna see a lot of demand for, for locally produced and sourced foods. So that's, a, that's another opportunity. And of course, the final bucket for us is folks just decoupling their supply chains um, away from China and trying to look inwardly to, to source for their materials. Uh, so in, in summary, basically, the, the three buckets for us, preservation, right, just survive the crisis, 
consolidation uh, and innovation post post pan post the pandemic. That's it for me. Thank you. Thanks, Daniel, for again for covering so much. Um, we now go to East Africa with Esther Nditi, uh, Executive Director of East Africa Private Equity and Venture Capital Association. Over to you, Esther. Thank you, Mark. Um, I'm cognizant of the time, so it's really going to be hard to cover all countries in East Africa at this point. Um, uh, you know, if, if you're familiar with the dynamics of East Africa, you'll find that the governments um, had their different responses um, with how to um, deal with COVID-19. So you'll find that while Uganda went down into lockdown for a while, Kenya chose to go through the curfew um, approach and also while maintaining social distancing and every other um, um, directive by the WHO. Um, and Tanzania chose to, um, you know, sort of um, ignore <laughs> or not approach, uh, not even of the above approaches. So the countries are completely different with regards to how they handle the crisis. So I'll try and focus on Kenya because of time. Um, much like Daniel, you know, Kenyan government did not have or does not have the fiscal capacity to provide extensive sub sub subsidies to the workforce or to the industry. Um, however, they did, um, you know, create a number of initiatives to support the SME industry and businesses in, in the country. Um, um, under the economic stimulus program, you see that um, about five, slightly over $500 million has been set aside in a kitty. And within this $530 million, you'll see that about $30 million of this dollars um, has been put towards a partial credit guarantee scheme to de-risk lending by private uh, financial institutions, uh, the banks here, which is a great move um, because you'll find that while banks are not struggling from liquidity at the moment, they are being extremely conservative with regards to lending. So this credit guarantee scheme comes um, as, very, as a very welcome move and we hopefully see more businesses receiving a, um, some lending, um, particularly those who are within um, the portfolios of some of our members. Um, then we've also seen about um, 100 million of this dollars has been set aside for fast tracking of outstanding VAT refunds and other pending payments to SMEs. Um, this has not been done yet, but it's in the pipeline and we're looking forward to seeing this being affected as ways to sort of um, increase um, the cash position of businesses and SMEs in Kenya. Um, further to that, um, we also saw that in, soon after COVID um, hit and um, the understanding of the impacts to the private sector, um, you know, government was able to come together and quickly um, make declarations with regards to tax, um, reduction of personal income tax top rate by up to 5%. Um, and also reduction of turnover tax for SMEs. It dropped from 3% to 1%, and immediate reduction of um, VAT from 16 to 14%. Uh, we believe that these initiatives um, greatly um, positively impact businesses that are active in Kenya, um, increasing the cash position of these businesses. Um, on the flip side, however, we've seen with the uh, with the recently released uh, 2020 finance bill, we've seen that there's been proposal to to introduce um, a new tax, a digital marketplace tax, um, that will look at um, gaining income and income tax and VAT from from the from the digital marketplace, which is interesting because we see that there's been an emergence of digital businesses with um, 
um, and an uptake of this to the whole corona scenario. So we there are several initiatives ongoing to challenge this and because we see this as a hindrance to the to the growth of digital businesses in Kenya. So this is still an ongoing conversation and keeping an eye on that. Uh, with regards to sectors, much like um, you know, Nigeria and Morocco, what's been said before, um, we're seeing some of the sectors that are taking a hit are in hospitality, particularly in hospitality. So hotels and restaurants in Kenya have um, severely been affected by Corona. We have major hotel lines that have been shut down. Um, transport as, as well has taken a hit, uh, both traditional transport um, systems, but also the e-hailing services as well. Um, entertainment and you know tourism, uh, the workforce in the food value chain as well um, have taken a huge hit. Um, but on the flip side, um, we're seeing that the manufacturing sector um, is looking in very interesting with the border closure and and interruption of the supply chain. We're seeing that now there's a there's a new opportunity for the textile industry, for instance, um, where they're you know working on manufacturing all the PPE that's required. Um, and so the revival of the textile industry is something we're keeping an eye on. Um, the food processing, the food agribusiness sector as well is really picking up. Um, and so, you know, just looking for sectors that had remained dormant or had um, sort of had become, had, you know, had moved into alternative spaces um, with Kenya becoming a net importer. But these sectors are picking up and we are keen and seeing our members um, taking keen interest in this. Um, the rest, you know, in tech and education, and just much, much like Daniel has mentioned, is similar here in Kenya. I should mention the health sector is under the spotlight currently. So, you know, we're expecting to see opportunities being created as, um, you know, innovation starts to thrive in telemedicine and the use of drones to, to distribute critical medicines and vaccines over the last mile. And lastly, logistics, where we're seeing, you know, um, last mile distribution being a really keen thing right now um, with all, you know, with limited movement of humans um, across um, the country. Um, I'll stop there and let Tanya take over. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, I didn't have to jump in. <laughs> As you mentioned, it's, it's, it's Tanya uh, van der Lille, who's the Chief Executive Officer of uh, Southern Africa Venture Capital and Private Equity Association. Over to, to you, Tanya. Thanks, Mark. Thank you very much. Um, I think what's important to understand in South Africa is that the government acted very swiftly in the lockdown measures once the first uh, coronavirus case was reported in South Africa, and that swift action was to uh, avert a health crisis. However, given that 90% of the South African economy is made up of small to medium enterprises, it's now resulted in a bit of an economic crisis in the country, um, given the very strict lockdown measures. Um, the companies that weren't in essential services or industries that weren't in essential services, which would be healthcare, food, etc., faced very tough times within South Africa during the um, lockdown, specifically um, when South Africa was uh, declared a disaster um, and the Disaster Management Act came into effect uh, in March and throughout the very strict lockdown measures. We're now seeing to see some easing where retail can open up again. However, there's still a lot of measures and policies that affect businesses. 
the government has come up with uh, various relief uh, funding efforts. Uh, some of it is very specific to industries, such as the tourism industry, which has been harshly affected by the, the virus. And others are um, vehicles such as loan debt guarantees, uh, where this collaborates with the local banks in terms of provide, providing loan guarantees um, to um, small to medium enterprises. So we've seen some government relief funding. We've also seen um, some aspects such as um, payment holidays on tax, et cetera. And then from an individual perspective, um, there's also been a lot going on in the unemployment insurance fund where individuals who have been affected and can't earn an income during this time uh, can claim from the unemployment insurance fund. Um, same as in Nigeria, what we've observed is there's a lot more collaboration between public and private sector. So COVID has been a opportunity to take stock, re, you know, press the reset button and look at how can public and private sector actually work together to build um, or the, build the recovery plan for the economy. Industries have been mainly affected is tourism, leisure, the restaurant, health and beauty, retail, etc. Um, in terms of investment opportunities, what we're seeing is a lot of opportunities in the e-commerce space. Um, and a lot of focus is being placed on infrastructure, specifically renewable energy, and in the agri and agro-processing space. Um, we're also seeing manufacturing, and specifically the automotive sector um, is receiving a lot of attention and investment um, in that regard. Um, what's interesting for me that is very uh, private equity or industry specific is that the um, institutional investors that invest in South Africa um, actually met very early on during the crisis to see how they can support the fund managers in the space. And collectively, they've come up with a few ways that they can support their fund managers, some of which is allowances for using commitments for working capital for their portfolio companies, um, keeping fund valuations um, simple, uh, reducing drawdown processing times, uh, sharing experiences amongst portfolios, um, We've seen a lot more communication and sharing of experiences, and then accommodating fund life extensions, if that might be uh, or something that needs to be considered. In terms of advocacy work that SAFCA is embarking on, um, we are advocating for changes to pension fund regulation here in South Africa. We're providing feedback to the government in terms of the funding relief efforts and how quickly that is being acted on and how effective and efficient it is. And we're also giving input into the country's financial recovery plan um, together with other associations. Mark, that was a quick rundown given time constraints. Tanya, thanks, thanks again, and uh, thanks for, for being very conscious of time. We appreciate there's, there's, there's a lot, of course, to cover from a South Africa, Southern Africa perspective. Um, due to time constraints, we, we won't be able to deal with a Q&A now, but what we will do is to look at the poll results. Um, you asked two questions. If I could just ask for those two results um, to be uh, put on the screen. From a, from a sector perspective, which is a, a sectors of, of most interest from an investment perspective, 14% um, voted for agriculture and 14% for e-commerce. Um, obviously, those are two sectors picked up in a number of regions, jurisdictions, um, obviously healthcare logistics, um, obviously, real estate to, to, to a low extent, three percent in education. If we then cover, just look at quickly the the regions. Um, there, by by quite a long shot, we we have 
15% um, in West Africa, 7% in East Africa, 5% in North Africa, 2% in, in Southern Africa. So from an investment perspective, certain opportunities from an economic perspective, we're, we're looking at uh, more investments, obviously in, in West Africa, that's where people are seeing opportunities, which is obviously interesting to see. So I just want to thank uh, all the panelists uh, for being so comprehensive in such a short time. Um, I certainly speak from my own perspective that it was fascinating to, to listen from on the ground experience in terms of what's happening from a macro and a micro perspective and certainly what opportunities um, to look out for from an um, investment perspective. So thanks again to all the, the panelists. Thank you for listening. To find out more about the African Private Equity and Venture Capital Association, please visit avca-africa.org.